every year on the first Sunday of Lent, the gospel passage we hear from tells us about Jesus' temptation in the desert by Satan. I'm going to have you turn now to page 73 in your songbook. Page 73. And if you look at the bottom of page 73, you see it says a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark, and then just right below it, do you see how it's only two, set, two lines long, this description of Jesus' temptation in the desert? Now, here's the thing. It's only two lines long. Matthew and Luke's versions are much longer, but Mark packs a lot in those two lines. And I want to talk to you about those two lines this morning Here's the thing. To understand the New Testament, you need to understand the Old Testament because that's what the New Testament flows out of. So we're going to take a look at these words with that in mind. The first thing it tells us is the Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert. Now that always struck me as kind of funny, doesn't it? The Spirit driving Jesus out into the desert. Well, here's the thing to ask yourself again. With the Old Testament in mind, who else got driven out of somewhere? No, not Moses, no, no. Adam and Eve. Do you remember they were in the Garden of Eden? And then they had the tree of life and the fruit, and God said, don't eat of that tree. And guess what? They did anyway. And God said, eh, you got to leave. All right. Yep, they had to leave the Garden of Eden. They are driven out. All right. Then it says, Jesus, let's see, he remained in the desert 40 40 days. Who else was out in the desert for a period of time that has to do with 40? The people of Israel, right? They, They left Egypt and they spent 40 years wandering around in the desert. Okay. And the next thing we hear is, after Jesus is out in the desert, he's tempted by Satan. Okay. Do you remember Adam and Eve? Do you remember that serpent? Yeah, the serpent was the one that tempted them to do wrong. And then the people of Israel, when they were out in the desert, how'd they do when they were out in the desert? Did they say faithful to the God, the true God? They built a golden calf and started worshiping that. They messed up, didn't they? Okay. So here's the thing. What this gospel passage about Jesus is telling us, he's facing the same decisions as Adam and Eve in the garden and Israel in the desert to choose right from wrong. But unlike them, he rebuffs temptation. He relives their stories but as an obedient son. Now, when it comes to this fight between Jesus and Satan in the desert, I like the description given by St. Lawrence of Brindisi. Here's how he explains it. He said, Jesus willed to fight Satan in our weak flesh. It is as if an unarmed man, right hand bound, were to fight with his left hand alone against a powerful army. If he emerged victorious, 
his victory would be regarded as all the more glorious. So Christ conquered Satan with the right hand of his divinity bound and using against him only the left hand of his weak humanity. So Jesus prevails against Satan, not even invoking his being God, but just doing it as God became human, all the limitations of being a human being. Now, let's take another look at this gospel. After he's tempted by Satan, he was among the wild beast. Did the wild beast harm him? No, evidently not. Any other time that wild beasts uh, get along well with people and other things? Well, here again, you've got to look at your Old Testament. This time, Isaiah chapter 11, and it's the prediction of the Messiah, the shoot that shall sprout from the stump of Jesse. And when he comes, we hear, the wolf shall be the guest of the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion shall browse together. Okay, so that's, it's all telling us who Jesus is, isn't it? Just these, these two lines. And the last piece is the angels ministered to him. Who else did the angels minister to in the desert? This is really super extra credit if you know this one. This is from 1 Kings 19. Elijah, he had to flee from Queen Jezebel, and he's just feeling kind of down and out. The angels ministered to him. He was able to walk. How many days? Just take a wild guess. How many wild days did he walk? 40. You're getting, the, you're getting it. Yeah, okay. All right. And Elijah is the forerunner of the Messiah. So Mark's description of what happens in the desert is to set us up for what comes next. And to find out, turn your page. And you'll see at the top that Jesus proclaims the gospel of God. He said, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is a big deal, okay? In Jesus, God is breaking into history to fulfill his promises and bring his whole plan to completion. It is a decisive moment, a turning point. This moment, fixed and determined long ago by God, marks the beginning of the definitive stage in salvation history. The kingdom of God has begun in Jesus. Okay? God's kingdom has entered our world in the person of Jesus. It's not yet brought to fulfillment. That won't happen till the end of time, but it has begun, and we can see signs of it in our lives today. Now, Jesus then follows up with the arrival of the kingdom, calls for a twofold human response to repent, that's one, repent and believe in the gospel. That's the second, okay? Repent and believe in the gospel. Have you heard that anytime lately? Like on Wednesday? Wednesday? Ash Wednesday. When the ashes are put on your forehead, now sometimes they might say, remember you are dust and unto dust you shall return, and that's a perfectly valid one. But usually you'll hear, repent and believe the gospel. 
And so that's now you know where that came from, okay? So that's what happens. That's what we hear at the beginning of Lent. Our task during Lent, and how long is Lent? 40 days. It's to prepare, to celebrate the Easter mysteries. Now, for some of the people in our church this morning, this has a special bearing for you, okay? This is your final period of preparation. You've already been doing it, getting ready to celebrate the the sacraments of initiation with baptism, confirmation, First Holy Communion. But now you're entering into the final time of preparation. Your message especially is repent and believe in the gospel because at the end of the 40 days, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a hint. We'll show you. Turn to page 137. One thirty-seven. You see on the bottom it says the renewal of baptismal promises. And I'm going to be asking you three questions. Do you renounce Satan and all his works and all his empty show? That's like what Jesus did in the desert. Okay, That's what that word repent means. Repent means to get rid of all the junk in our life. Anything that's not loving towards God. It's not loving towards other people or towards ourself. Uh, get rid of it. Renounce it. Repent. And then the second part, the believe in the gospel. Gospel means the good news of Jesus. That's where you turn the page. And then you'll see, I'm going to ask the three questions. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Okay, so that's what you will be doing. Those who are you're preparing for baptism, you'll be doing it for the first time. But all of us, all the baptized, we will, that's why it's called in this section the renewal of baptismal promises, we will all be doing that. Okay, now, this time between now and then, these 40 days of Lent are our time to use the spiritual disciplines of Lent those spiritual disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, they are to help us repent and believe in the gospel. We walk with Jesus through the desert so we can celebrate with Jesus his victory over death through the power of his resurrection at Easter. Easter.